Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to the Cultures 2 podcast for the week of April 14th, 2019. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. and I am here with my co-hosts, Anthony Carter and Valerie Vidmar. Hello everybody. Hello. Hello. It is a nice, warm, sunny day out. We're inside. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, welcome to... That's funny because we're going to be about to get dark. <laughs> Real dark. Dark. Um, welcome to what is essentially the second part of our previous show, um, and part of our new format, um, to, I don't know, put something out every week instead of every other week or like this last one every month. (laughs) Or maybe shorten our our shows. But, uh, basically to give you a shorter bite size, uh, show that's easier to listen, uh, whether you're listening to it on your way to work or doing chores around the house or, Dancing naked in your living room, whatever you're doing, um, we're here for you. It's very interesting. Uh, I don't know. Just one that you threw out there. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to uh, only be talking about uh, our stew topic, which is Tim which, Burton. Yeah. Tim Burton. Timothy William Burton, actually. And um, the... <laughs> Some of his uh, his movies, and particularly his new recent one, Dumbo. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to wrap up with uh, what's in our radar and what's on our queue. So let's jump into what the stew is. All right. We'll just give you a little tiny, tiny history of Tim Burton. Uh, he was born August 25th, 1958. So if you have that birthday, you share it with him. Uh And he is actually known, when he comes up, people think of pretty dark, quirky movies. Um, When actually I feel like we're going to reveal some other things that um, he's actually probably bringing to light. Um, He attended the California Institute of the Arts and then later worked as an animator um, at Disney Productions. Uh, He actually was somebody who worked on um, movies like uh, The Black Cauldron, um, like he, and um, to my notes that I wrote down, sorry, kiddies. But um, he's started his debut in 1984. No, 1985, I'm sorry, with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Did you guys like it? Loved it. Is that the one where he's in the big top, where he's doing a circus mm-hmm. and he doesn't like egg salad and his fiance he, of the sort? Somebody's, he has a, there's somebody's, I thought there was a bike involved. That's uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. 
I think. That, that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, this is that's what it is. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's what we're talking about. His stolen bicycle. Oh, yeah, I did like that one. The circus <laughs> one, that's the one. Sorry, circus one, I'm totally like, no. But the bicycle one was the first one I saw. Okay. So then he follows up. And Pee Wee's Big Adventure was also the first collaboration with. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. They have the longest collaboration. What? He does with. John and Stephen do? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Stephen, John Williams have. What? John I Williams meant have. I meant these two. I meant um, if you're thinking that Tim Burton and Johnny Depp have the longest running. Oh, yeah. I'm oh. saying oh. people that he's worked with. Yeah. With the oh, people man. he's worked with, he has worked with Danny okay. Elfman. Um, their collaborations. And that's the Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo. <laughs> I know, so weird. Um, Very weird. Then we also have, I think, some some people's favorite movie, uh, Beetlejuice. Come in, it came out in nineteen eighty eight. That's film. a fantastic film, and unfortunately, I showed my daughter the. Da, da, da. You know the the table scene. Oh. Come, Mister Tallyman, Tallyman. And it was fine until the hands came out, and um, she totally lost her mind and can't watch it now. That is of all of the movies that he's done. That is probably my favorite. It's even though I love Batman, I really love Beetlejuice. And it they wanted just, to be Winona. I loved her, loved her in that movie. Um, it's a great. Movie. If you haven't seen it, that was my in- introduction to um, Catherine O'Hara too. Really? Oh yes, that was the first time I yes. ever remember seeing her on screen. So funny. she is her her face, and then um, so he started getting really popular, and then he went to do big budget Batman, nineteen eighty nine. Um, he, it was controversial. Uh, they. They really wanted, you know, the last Batman film and Batman property that you'd seen was the Adam West um, version, which was very campy. Quite campy. Um, and they really wanted to figure out how to bring... Uh, Frank Miller. I don't know. Bring something back to Batman. And Tim Burton just took it to the dark and went for it. Did and they- casted a comedian in Michael Keaton as the lead role. And it worked. It worked. <laughs> it's like... My dad hated that. My dad was big up... My dad keeps saying to his day that he did not believe that Michael Keaton can do it. Now he believes in it 100%. But back then, there was a big fight about it. My dad was angry, was confused. And I'm glad Michael Keaton got a chance to do that and studio pressured and win. Yeah, and you get... Um, Jack yeah, Nicholson as the, as the Joker, which we talked about last week. And Jack Palance. <laughs> you know, Mr. Yeah. One-Arm Push-Up at the Oscars. Yeah. It was insane. Um, um, and did, did, I know that they often have like the rock songs and then they have the actual soundtrack. Um, did Danny do that? Which? The... Yeah, the Batman. Yeah, he did do the theme to Batman. Yeah. yeah. He did. Okay, so then also what made this very popular was that Prince was involved. I'm sorry, yeah. but Bat Dance kicked ass. It's awesome. It's still... A- there's so much that became iconic from That's that movie. one film. Um, 
like how most people think of Batman is the symbol that they created for that Batman, that yeah. logo, that yellow and black and the really wide wings on it. That became synonymous with it. And I remember getting, we actually, I begged my parents for Christmas and they got um, the art of Batman book. So it was like all the the background designs and it was just crazy to see all the hand-drawn art direction. And I think it won for art direction as well for it did, the yes. Academy Award for that. Um, but the level of detail that went into those such things. And it's not like, you know, they're creating these things from scratch. They're creating things that are a world that just doesn't exist or they're our world, but just slightly skewed. And you get the Batmobile and just, yeah. Like you have, um, you know, when he was a boy, uh, he he read a lot of uh, Dr. Seuss and Roald Dahl. Is that how you say his name? Yes, mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, which you can see the Dr. Seuss stuff, the stripes and everything, you know, all that stuff in Beetlejuice. And then, you know, it, those bright colors, those, you know, those types of things come into his movies. Taking the These, world and just turning it. And having 32 degrees, just a little bit of a turn that you're like, oh, creating a different perspective. And yeah, creating characters that like are ridiculous, but they become real. So, and then he followed it up, and unfortunately, with a bomb. Batman Returns bombed. And I don't know what happened there, but. It didn't work out. I think there was just too much going on. I mean, not like we have modern messages, well, but it, it just there was Edward Scissorhands came out. It was after, before that, right? So Edward was before. Edward was. Oh, I'm so sorry. In between the two, yeah. No, wait a minute. Was he ninety? That was 1990, right? Yeah. Yes. 89 was Batman. Okay, Los lo Santo, everyone, because because it was his first Johnny Depp <sighs> collaboration. Okay, so Edward Scissorhands. That's the first one I think I saw. That's. I saw this movie and just, I don't know. I, my, my best friend Courtney and I still quote this movie every time we were like, darn this stuff. Like we can't get something off. You have to watch it. You have to see it to even understand any of these quotes. They're so bizarre. Um, he, uh, Tim, he, we were on a first name basis. Um, Tim said, this is actually the most personal for him because it dealt with a, boy who could not speak, who was trying to um, fit in with his peers, with people his own age, and he just, he couldn't. Which kind of describes his own childhood. Right. That's why it was personal. So, um, you know, he, he, we'll get into this, but, you know, Edward was not a complete, he was not completed. He was an incomplete person. He had something that was missing, um, and yet someone fell in love with him. At at this time in my life, you know, I'm ten years old. I I only knew two directors at this point. I knew Steven Spielberg, and I knew George Lucas, and that was just because those were the movies I really loved. And I was like, oh, anytime their name was attached to something, it was instantly like looking for something else for them. And it wasn't until Edward Scissorhands that Tim Burton's name got locked into mine, like. And I could trace back and say, oh, you know, when you watch Pee Wee, you didn't look at like, oh, this was a Tim no. Burton film. When I watch Batman, it was like, oh, this is a creative film, but I don't know who Tim Burton is. By the time Edward Scissorhands came out, you're like, he's got a distinct style. This is different. I was 15. Yeah. 
that had a pretty big effect on me. And the I bought the soundtrack and I listened to it all the time. The soundtrack to this movie is beautiful. Especially, I just, it's one of my favorite soundtracks. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not saying, <laughs> some people don't like this movie at all. They think it's horribly boring. And that's okay. Diane Weist is fantastic in it. I love her. Um, she she takes care of him after Winona um, find, well, she brings him into the house and she starts getting to know him and then her stupid jerk boyfriend, which we bring back in the childhood um, character, the childhood, sorry, star. You're talking uh, about the guy from um, Christmas Vacation. He's grown up. I, I'll get his name. Give me a second. Oh, people. It's a three-namer. Hello? He was the nerd in The Breakfast Club. And also the nerd in... Um, Michael um, Hall. Michael Anthony Hall. Yes. Anthony, Michael, Anthony, Anthony Michael, Michael Hall. Who I didn't even recognize when I first saw him in the movie. Um, if you see him now, he's completely different than what he looked like back then. Huh. He was on a show called... Um, uh, he was some medium on a USA Network. And I was like, but he was really good. And it was completely like, no, that's not the skin, same skinny, dweeb, nerd kid from the 80s movies. She did he yeah. a lot of 80s movies. But um, they bring him back. She, he brings him back here and he's a complete ass. Um, so, I mean, Edward had an effect on me. I, there was an Edward Scissorhands um, huge uh, in our video store our small video store because it was a small town and it was a cutout that was bigger than me and the lady let me borrow it or have it. I, it, I, I think it's, it's either in our um, attic or somebody threw it away. Anyway, so we can move on. Yeah. So he, he, he then comes and he bombs a little bit with Batman returns. It's still a, a pretty solid in terms of superhero films. Right. It's still a, Decent, decent film, yeah. especially with what happens to the Batman universe after that. <laughs> um, but we kind of skip ahead um, to where some of his childhood influence plays in with um, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a good one. But he did not direct that. He didn't direct it, but he played a huge part in the Creation. animatronics and the claymation style yes. direction of it. And I still, every time I see it, I always, it's always, it's Tim Burton's creation. To we me. watch it every year. My girls watched, have watched it since they were probably one or two. Um, that under your bed part scares the hell out of them. That's the only thing. But um, yeah, great movie. I, I am kind of obsessed with this movie. And in a little interesting fact, and this is why we, I told Jason that we have to go, Jason being my husband. That we have to go to Disney World, or I don't know if they do it at Disneyland or not. At Halloween, they turn the mansion, the haunted mansion, into the whole thing is Nightmare Before, before Christmas. Mm. It's really awesome because, yeah, it's really awesome. I mean, I have pictures of my little Harper wearing these hats of Jack. So we're a big fans of that so um we move on i believe oh we missed sadly was 2001 planet of the apes no that's after we haven't hit that yet 
I have my wrong in- information. I'm Nightmare Before Christmas was 93. Planet of the Apes was 99, I think. I think so. What the hell? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it was directed by Henry Selick. Yeah, uh, so there's a couple, like, Ed Wood's in there. Um, I, don't, I don't think I ever watched Ed Wood. I, don't think I, I, ever I just watched either. it again. I went to a midnight showing of it um, when I was in college. Oh, you were going to say <laughs> a midnight showing recently. Yeah. Like, wait, what? When I was in college, it's a beautiful movie. It's black and white. It's it's beautiful. It's another, um, here we go again, with um, he likes to pick people that are kind of uh, outsiders, people that are different and that feel differently and that are kind of cast, you know, outcasts. And here he has a director that makes horrible movies and who has different parts of his personality that, that uh, he doesn't want to get. He's a crossdresser, basically. Um, and his girlfriend finds out and thinks it's, you know, like the worst thing ever. And uh, so Ed Wood got, it's beautiful. If you are a film student or care about that, just watch the movie. It's great. Um, so then the next big one um, is James and the Giants Peach and Mars Attacks. Me. You know. Mars Attacks wasn't that bad. I mean, it was kind of zany, and but it was still. I watched it once. I've never gone back and watched it again. I have no idea. Twice even. when it was on HBO. Yeah. But I haven't seen it since. I have not watched. I mean, I, I did watch it, but I didn't like it. So the, the last one during the 90s was Sleepy Hollow. That was, uh, that I love it. Got me Own into it. Cinematography. Yeah, I I think that was fun. I liked it a lot. Trying Depp was, you know, I don't want to say wimpy, but uh, what do you call that? Like, what do you say, nerdy? Is that, is that coming like wimpy, but not really wimpy, but kind of like just cowardly? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, I mean, Ichabod is cowardly, but he embodied vulnerable. that. Yeah, vulnerable. Is, yeah. yeah. And then we get into the 2000s, and we have some interesting ones coming up. Planet of the Apes, um, probably the worst interpretation of the Planet of the Apes was horrible with, uh, was that Mark Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. In the lead role. Um, and then another film that I thought I liked at the time, and um, I haven't gone back and watched it since, but I remember liking it was Big Fish. My friend John wrote that. I just watched that this morning. It's good. Um. There are, are parts that I can see where people wouldn't like it, but it's pretty zany. It's pretty out there, but uh, I'm going to say this. Oh, I'm going to say this. Yes, I am. I went to see this movie, went the first time in the movie theater with, I'm not going to even say his name, but a boyfriend of mine, not my husband, and did not enjoy this movie because he bawled for <laughs> 30 minutes after the movie and we couldn't even leave because he was so grief stricken and I was so annoyed that that's what I think of so now I can think of at least that I watched this movie this morning with the girls um, an interesting note on that one was that that was Miley Sir Cyrus's first film role who is she? Ruthie, Ruthie. young Ruthie <gasps> Destiny Hope Cyrus. really? yeah that that was, that was an unknown piece of trivia to me until this morning <laughs> that's fantastic I did not know that um, and then 
came Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, it's the one film I can't stand. Thanks. I really, 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 really liked the original. Mm-hmm. I could not stand the I couldn't. remake. It's one of those a ones that A lot of people like, liked it. I'm just saying. I'm not a lot of people. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I'm, I'm a very big Gene Wilder fan, and I think his wackiness played well into that. I think they over he overdid a couple of the parts in the new one. That just didn't work well for me. I mean, my friend John wrote that screenplay too. Also, Corpse Bride. But reading that, I just wasn't like he can send it to me to read, and I'm like, I don't like this. Like it's just didn't. And then I got to see it in the theater, and I'm like, this is not. I felt like I was trying to make a statement or try to say something, or and I felt Johnny was trying. Johnny Depp was emulating. Just it just felt just awkward for me. It was and, awkward. I and weird. I, I um I've seen it one time, and I do not own it, and I own a lot of his movies and uh, both Johnny and Tim and uh, do I own this? I may have, I may have, I may have bought it just to have the collection be complete. Um, but I don't, I don't watch it. It's like trading cards. Right. I don't watch it. Can we move on though? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, because Corpse Bride was right after that or was it right before? It was right after. Yeah. Right after. I liked Corpse Bride. I loved the coloring. They have some strange thing about how these these three movies are really the same. They're like connected, and I'm so sick of that whole thing because they all Burton Universe, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, and Frank and Weenie. They are in the same universe. I know, but they're not. It's just very strange. They all have dead dogs, and or it's very weird. Um, I thought Corpse Bride was beautiful. It may not have had the best story, but it was beautifully done. What did you do? Have you seen it? Did you? I think I watched it once. So it wasn't really anything that I like moved it. you. Okay. So Sweeney Todd, I'm going to skip over the okay, killers. Uh, uh, you can talk about Sweeney Todd. Okay, Sweeney to. Todd. Uh, I wish Kendra was here. She would go absolutely bonkers on this movie. She loves Sweeney Todd. Um, Demons of Mars. You want to talk about it? Yeah. Um, Sweeney Todd. Um, Grace, my wife, loves Sweeney Todd. She t- she went to the theater to see it with her sister when it was in town on tour. And uh, people in front of them were gasping and fainting and all that weird stuff because they didn't know the plot, which is weird. Um, but bygones. Um <laughs> I also saw there's a there's a Jersey girl has a scene in it where um, Ben Affleck's character is like playing <laughs> Miss Lovett and there's a whole child pageant thing and they play a scene from this. But um, the movie kind of comes and goes with me. I, I mean, I like that it was it's kind of like Rent the movie. I'm glad it was made, but I think it could have been a lot more fulfilling and it wasn't for me. I remember sitting in my seat thinking I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about this and then kind of going. Oh, I I think I was pleasantly surprised. I did. I, it could have been a lot worse. I Sorry actually yeah. liked it. Um, Musicals are hard. Yeah, yeah, they are. And I thought that they did a good job. Actually, Kendra, my niece, uh, said that they did Sweeney Todd in an actual butcher shop, which uh, I think that was pretty cool. Um, those are cool things. Um, so I think that's his, is that, do I want to say that's his only musical, people? 
Well, I'm, I'm that he directed. I mean, I would still okay. say like Nightmare on Christmas. It's got. Oh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. So then we moved to Alice in Wonderland. And same with uh, Charlotte and Chocolate Factory. has got music in it. Oh, you're right. Okay. I am wrong. But it's the first like musical musical that was taken from. Alice in Wonderland. I don't know how everybody feels about this. Here we go again with a girl who doesn't like when people tell her what to do. And so she goes down the rabbit, the rabbit hole. Um, you know, he's got Sweeney Todd. The Here's like the guy that has, I mean, everything is so Batman has a secret identity and, you know, Big Fish has. It's a very theme of people that are very guarded and when the cover is taken off, they're very weird. They feel weird or they seem weird or they feel like everyone else is going to think they're weird. But in actuality, they're special. Yes. Um, and Alice in Wonderland, I personally thought it was beautiful to watch. I don't know. Um, it was beautiful to watch. I really, I, I don't like um, the two guys. Oh, the dum-dums? The dum-dums. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Dum Dum fan. I wish they weren't in that movie, but I I loved the movie and I thought he did a pretty decent job with that. Do you have any thoughts, Tony? I don't know on that one, no. No. And you, did did you see it? I did fall asleep during it, I'll say that, but, uh. (laughs) Did you, and you liked it, Ron, or no? Um, I liked the first one better than the second one, but the first one didn't rise to like, of his favorites. It's been weird because like his stuff over the last 10 years haven't really made as much of an impact on me as his stuff did during the late 80s and early 90s. I think so too. And i not entirely sure why. I don't either. They just don't have the same magic that his stuff had before. and But I think they're creative. I think um, uh, he uses the palette, his palette very well of that really grayish, dark, um, off-color palette. And he's now wrapped into, like, being able to use, like, the CGI world as amplifying it more. And I don't know if it's just something as simple as that, as, like, his stuff in the early 90s and pre was real and raw, and the stuff now is very almost like an airbrushed look to a lot of it. Right. I don't know if that's making sense or not. I didn't like the look of Johnny and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I was really disappointed in how they portrayed and that, him. And that's what I'm talking about. I, like his face looked like it was came out airbrushed out of a magazine. And, like, I he hated was walking his around. hair. I don't know why. I just didn't like the way. I didn't like. I expected more. I guess there are a lot of things where I expected more. Um, however. <laughs> I may be the only person that thought Dark Shadows was funny. I couldn't get into it. I thought it was hilarious. I remember watching it. I can barely tell you what it's about. <laughs> I started watching it. I couldn't finish it. Um, again, we have uh same type of thing. It's actually based on an old TV show. Right? Told a soap opera. Oh, okay. The Dark yeah. Shadows. So he redid it. Um, I don't know. I didn't mind it at all. 
I it's dark and you know got that whole. And that's something that's interesting is a lot of his stories have been stuff that are either a book or a previously made product that he's done. Hmm. Except, well, Beetlejuice wasn't. I said most. I didn't say all. I just said a a big portion of them. Gotcha. Like even Pee Wee, his first one, Pee Wee, was based off of the Pee Wee TV show. Right. I was, I don't know. That was, I was shocked when I was listening to um, the, you know, they have those stations that play the music. On the satellite radio? radio. Yes, but they play the music of um, his friend. Danny Elfman? Yes, of Danny Elfman when Pee Wee came on. I was shocked. I, I just couldn't believe that he did that. Mm. I kind of was weird that he, I thought he did it anyway. I don't know. wasn't a huge fan of that movie. But uh, moving on, we have Frank and Weenie. I never saw it. Nope. Did you see it? Parts of it, not all of it. I don't know why, but it had absolutely no... I did not care about it whatsoever. So if there are people out there that say, you guys are idiots, you need to watch it, this is fantastic, let us know. Um, I'm going to skip over the short. Is that okay? And I just watched Big Eyes, by the way, this last week I did for the first time. And I think, again... Oh, look, Christopher Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. No, I have to watch it. And Amy Adams. So I just watched it for the first time, and I... uh, Enjoyed it. I kept thinking, okay, where is he? Where is he? And then I thought, well, of course. She she draws these pictures that no one else was drawing, that no one else had seen before. These pictures with these big eyes because she felt like the eyes are the windows of the soul. And, and it's a true story where her, this man, Christoph Waltz, is a big jerk and he... Uh, basically he is a liar. He creates a life that didn't exist to woo her off her feet. They get married and he takes over her paintings and says that they're his. And she paints in private because he said that women with painters would not be, they would not sell except she kept bringing up. Um, oh, damn it. (laughs) Why does this happen to me? She brings up Mind the okay, okay, the woman who 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 uh, need a sound effect for the that. paints the paint <laughs> that paints the, the desert scenes with oh my god everybody who's listening to this is screaming the name and I am so sorry I'm really sorry Margaret Keene no 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 what are you what sure what she's talking about Jojo O'Keefe thank you thank you, thank you. brain. Okay, so she keeps bringing, like, what about Georgia O'Keefe? And then he kind of moves on from that. So I thought the movie was good. I, it, you know, it's not another one that's going to stick with me and moved me to the point where I felt like I was changed by it or anything. But it was good. And I like Amy Adams, so whatever. Hmm. Um, Do you know what, who, I mean, do you know what film she was in? Stop it. Just what? gonna throw some A. What? Oh no! Don't. 
Don't. I know what you're going to do. So moving on to Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which I believe is rated PG-13. Mm, not sure on the rating. I did see it. Okay, it so okay. I did a mistake because Zoe can watch a lot of PG-13 movies. She saw the Harry Potter movies. I Yeah, this is a darker than Harry Potter. Yeah, it is. She saw somebody that had black eyes or dark eyes and she flipped her lid and every time she sees it she screams so i have to watch this again did you guys see it and like it i had no interest in seeing it sorry i saw it i really it's after a book so yeah. it's another one that's not that's interesting hmm maybe that's why we're losing maybe that's why that we are losing, we don't have those same feelings is because they're based on other people's work. I can watch Alexander Payne's stuff all the time and he adapts. He never has an original story. Alexander Payne, there are much different stories that he adapts from though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's totally different. And we're talking also about... Also Burton's stuff is based off of a children's right. stuff. And they're True. very visual, whereas... He takes children's stuff and makes them dark. <laughs> Grim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I also did not see Alice and the Looking Glass, which came out in 2016. Looking looking? Yeah, I think he only produced it says that. Al- I don't think oh, he Alice Through it. the Looking Glass. Okay. I'm sorry. Huh? I don't think he directed it. I think he just produced it. Oh, you're right. Producer. Maybe. And then... I think that's all of his big ones I think up so. to Dumbo. Dumbo, it says, is it, it's funny because he was the executive producer and. Yeah, he's produced a bunch of films. The but, director. So, yeah. So of. They just say, is this true? Beetlejuice 2 announced. That's what it says here on IMDb. What are you potential. I see potential. It says announced. And I'll click on it, and it says, if these things would stop running across my screen. I mean, that yeah, it says in July 2012, potential Beetlejuice sequel. The follow-up. Still writing it. About a ghost, yeah, director. There's writers even attached to it. Yeah. We'll see. All right, so of his past work, what is of your favorite Tim Burton film, Anthony? Okay, put two. Sure. I'm going to explain why. I just picked two. Okay. Um, I think the longest ones, the ones that stick to most with the Beetle Juice and Edward Scissorhands. More Beetle Juice, though. Okay. Valerie? I'm going to um, actually pick the same. The same two? <laughs> the same two. Um, well, if we're going two, but I'm, I'm going to choose Beetlejuice and I'm going to choose Batman. I like Batman. Beetlejuice like Batman. because yeah. it was completely different than anything that else was out there and the stylistic choices were cool. Right. And Batman because it revamped the future of superhero movies. I, I'm going to put, he put, so. would you put, you put Beetlejuice number one. Yeah, hit, yeah. It wasn't like a one or two. It, it was, was either. There. Uh, I get what you mean because. Uh, you don't have to put one above another. Batman came out after 79, 76 Sorry, I'm getting wrong. You know, Superman came out. Superman the movie came out and it was so light and bright. And I think Batman with Keaton and all of them and Burton was to make it like the opposite, like showing the reality gritty form. So both films helped pave the way for future superhero films. I think just 
Batman Burton's version, sorry. But did it Batman four pretty much almost single handedly killed it. That's Schumacher, that's yeah. He yeah, got well. rich doing Batman Forever and thought he could do the same thing with Batman and Robin and that was yeah. too okay. I would say that um Edward Scissorhands affected me the most and you know those when you buy the D V D you can get those special D V D they're like in canisters. They're practically in Oh yeah, the tin. yeah. Best Buy has those. They're steel books. The steel books. Yeah. I have that's the only steel book I have is of uh Edward Scissorhands. Does it have him with the... I'm collecting Marvel mm-hmm. ones. Are they other and ones? I always want to be Edward Scissorhands for Halloween, and I always, you know, all this stuff, so... Edward I, Scissorhands is Freddy Krueger's long-lost cousin. Why long-lost? Why Don't not just cousin? Don't say things like that. That's just, just mean. He's so sweet. So sweet. Okay, so you dumb. You can still be sweet and Kill be people. cousins to a psychopath. That's true, but... All right, so let's roll into talking about Dumbo here for a couple minutes before we wrap up the show. So his new release, Dumbo, based on the beloved Disney movie Dumbo. And he brought back everybody. Danny DeVito's back? Danny DeVito, Eva Green, Michael So he he brought back Batman, and he brought back the Penguin, and he brought back... Mrs. Peregrine. Yes. <laughs> is it weird I like seeing Michael be a villain? I mean, he's always been good, but I mean, he plays him, a good bad guy. He does. I mean, even in, I won't, I sorry. I won't do that. His hair was weird, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was the main cast with Colin Farrell. Did and you then see a it? bunch of, yes. A okay. bunch of side actors. You actually saw it? Not in a theater. I had a screener pass. No. Oh. All right. So who saw the original Dumbo? Me. I did when I was a kid. I've, I have not watched it since. I have seen it. I have seen it um, pretty many times. Enough enough times to know that... I, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened in the old I one. would say that um, there were some things that got messed up here. First of all, I don't... I didn't well, like... Let's go with the good first and okay, then we can rip fine. it apart. The good. The colors. I loved the color palette. The color palette was very the him. reds, the yellows, everything just the slightly color. muted. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, green, and uh, I it had was, a very like. Um, have you ever seen the the toys out of the fifties and sixties? The colors that they used for the, those toys were very very uh, bright. But when you look at them now, they're just kind of dulled, but they're still that, that palette of color. Grace's That's what it kind of reminded grandmother me Grandmother has some of those in her basement, and in Pinyin, there's a whole shelf of toys, and they're just like, I know what you mean, exactly what you mean. It's not muted. You're it's not, not looking muted. at something shiny and new. You're just looking at something that's older. It's like muted slightly. But that was probably my favorite part of everything was that, was the color palette that he used. Um, there are no stripes, no black and white stripes, purposely, so... The art director and customer didn't want any black and white. They want to keep it vibrant and poppy. So that was impressive. That's a conscious choice. Um, what else was good? <laughs> um, I thought Danny DeVito's character was really good. Uh, I think he, when he was on screen, he was lively and animated and Danny DeVito-ish. I'm not know? very, I'm not 
big on Danny DeVito. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why. Wow. So I just, every time I see him, I'm like, ugh, God. Um, Colin Farrell surprised me. I haven't he did? seen him. I he haven't surprised seen you him because in he was in the movie. No, I haven't seen him really in anything that grabbed my attention, like in Bruges in a while. The, to see him kind of take a role that where he wasn't front and center, like the point of all the attention was interesting. I thought he was very emotionless. Okay. I, see I mean, I felt like he was like showing some emotion, but he, wow, did he not know how to be a father, but he wouldn't. He, um, I, I thought that the choice of the kids were wrong. Like the kids seemed very wooden and toy esque to me. Like, yeah, there wasn't. Weren't impressed. If you're gonna have a flying elephant, why can't you bring back his pal, Jiminy? No, was it Jiminy? <laughs> no, oh my mouse. god, mouse! Right? Wow, the mouse. Yeah. Well, they the the mouse was there. The mouse was in the cage with a hat. He was the white mouse with the. The direct the I know, but still, right? Wasn't that that was their allusion to him? I know that was that's crap. I mean, one of the biggest things you're going to have with a Disney movie is the animals don't talk, so you don't have what you're talking about that side of it. So you know you're playing with you have to have real people fill in the gaps of the story. So let's see here. We have a misunderstood. Um character who which all, one <laughs> Dumbo he's not okay. misunderstood well you think what I'm is? saying is that he see to me Dumbo like felt like a very tiny like side piece of the story in this okay, and not like the full when, goal. when he had the ears and everybody made fun of him and then they used him and they did you know just it was very and he was trying to be helped by these kids and you know it was very I mean I kept thinking gosh that's like Edward Scissorhands oh that's like Edward Scissorhands it was very strange to me in in the original Dumbo like I said I I haven't seen it since I was probably like three or four so I very limited did the uh, humans play any role in it outside of just being humans there that somewhat exploit but everything is told through the animal's eyes, right? I believe so. So I think that's where the biggest fault of the movie is, is that you're now taking that story and putting it in the hands of the humans, and you got to make the human story mean something. So they give the girl the, you want to be a science person, and their father won't listen to you, it's and very then the strange. boy is just thrown out of sight. Nobody cares about the boy the whole time. I <laughs> the don't little boy is just like, yeah. And then you've got the villain that comes in to kind of add the tension, the tension of we're going to pull away your mama and make Dumbo really upset. But the only right. emotion that you ever get is the sad curled up Dumbo on the floor or the happy Dumbo flying around. Here's the thing. They showed Dumbo flying very early in the movie. They in the, showed it in the trailer. In, well, in the, really in the, in the movie, yeah. he, they don't find out for a while that he can fly. And yeah, what the, he's like born, and then the next scene is him getting a feather, and he sneezes, sneezes and then and it's flows. ridiculous. So there's a scene in the movie where physics they don't exist in Dumbo's take, world. No. They take Dumbo to see his mother. Okay, not on purpose. 
this. Huh? I think go ahead. I'm sorry. You mean where Dumbo escapes and finds his mother? I'm talking about this movie. They take him to go. They they knew where his mother was. And so they. You mean where Dumbo flew out and found her? Found her? This movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was on Nightmare Island. Oh. Dumbo Dumbo went for the first um, performance and he flew out of the tent and found her on Nightmare Island because he heard her scream, heard her sound. Oh, I guess I'm really confused. From the time that she was, she left, um, okay. they put her on the truck out of there. There was no interaction. and they. I, was, I, th- I thought it was before the truck left. He was, the, before the truck was taken, he found her before, before they left. No? There was a scene at the campfire where... Dumbo came out underneath the tent and then walked up to the um, trailer that was locked up. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, well, Dumbo Dumbo found her on her own. And then he puts up his... uh, Nose trunk. His trunk, and she is caressing his trunk. Well, okay, so here I'm waiting. During baby of mine. Yes, we're waiting. We're waiting for the part where... Her trunk comes out and scoops him up and swings him back and forth like a baby because that's the sweetest part of that entire scene. And they take it out of this movie. Mm. I was so pissed. And I actually read a lot of people were pissed about that, by the way, because that is such a sweet scene. And it's one of the things that if people like that love Dumbo, that is what they're thinking about is the that. It may be in a cut scene on the. Oh, God, it's terrible. Anyway. Pacing. So, I would say... Um, Definitely wasn't my favorite. The girls... My wife liked it, but... Watched it. They liked, I, They watched it. I mean, we watched it as a family, actually. All of us went. And we went to see it in 2D IMAX. Um, so, it was very large. And I kept sitting there thinking huh, I don't like this as much as I thought I was going to, which I was kind of, dep- I was like, that was a little depressing, but I, I did notice the colors and I, uh, you know, I, I liked noticing those types of things. Cinematic elements. Um, and having, you know, that was kind of weird. You know, he all at once, she, uh, she being the uh, acrobat, um, Eva Green's character. Yes. Yeah. Falling in love with, I mean, Colin Farrell. Mm. Obviously, you're going to fall in love with Colin Farrell over, yeah. And them having her, it's so ridiculous looking of her riding Dumbo around on his back. She's way too big for him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I just thought that was why nothing Did, about this film got me excited. That's why I said when I said when in the trailer, nothing was like wow, I have to watch you. So I didn't, but then I got a screener, so I watched it. But I would not have paid money to see it. Yeah, my my recommendation is wait until this is on video for I, free somewhere. I agree. I'm sorry, everyone, but um, unless you have a kid that just needs to get out of the house, yes, go take them. But. Yeah, because kids don't. I mean, my girls, I think, liked it. I didn't even ask them. I kids guess like should. things at a different level than we do. 
They do. Paw Patrol. All right. Well, I think we've talked enough about Tim Burton and Dumbo for today. Um, Things I appreciate about Tim Burton are the stylistic elements that he has given to cinema and the some of the directors and cinematographers that have spawned from that to give us quirky stuff. I like the colors that he brings. I like the fact that um, he changed. He changed the, the way I saw. I, I just loved the way Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice looked. I liked. I don't know. I just had never seen anything like that. Never. I don't know. Um, I also liked how the fact that he deals with people that don't fit in, people that are on the outside. Because, you know, this is not a sob story, but a lot of times throughout your life, you go through things where you feel like you don't fit in. And um, I love that he takes that on and turns it into, he, you know, produces that and puts it out. I'm, obviously, he has felt that way much in his life. And I think it's great that he has the talent to be able to go out and do it. I just hope that he starts doing it better. I think a lot of the above. I think just Tim's style kind of woke me up to what you could do in cinema besides just the standard, you know, adventure films from Spielberg and Lucas, you know, the mm-hmm. Star Wars and Indiana Jones and seeing him do something about normal people, but then quotation marks, people who are like us who are not that heightened. I mean, even Edward was not that far away from us. I felt like he was just an amputee who just happened to have scissors for hands. So growing up, I saw that and then I saw Sleepy Hollow. It kind of opened my, my eyes to what cinema could be in a low-key, but it's not really low-key, I guess average style, like a subtle style versus outlandish and my words are escaping me. I guess there's heightened and then there's not heightened. And I think Tim Burton in his early cinema, which is what I was drawn to, has a very simple style, very simple story that he's telling and they're about everyday people. And I guess in my writing style, that's what I'm after. Everyday people not going to the stream with them, but just living their lives the best they can. So that's what I learned from him as a writer and creator of just stories, just finding the simple story and telling it the best you can. And he has some flair in it, but that doesn't really distract you that much in his earlier work, I guess. Okay. So what about you? Do you like Tim Burton? Do you like his movies? What do you like about it? What is your favorite? Let us know. Um, We're going to close out with what's on our radar and what's in our queue. And we're going to hold the what our next stew is about as a to be determined. You'll figure it out when we do our next show. It's going to be a mystery. Mystery. (laughs) Scooby-Doo? No, I was thinking mysteries. Um, (laughs) The cultural stew mystery podcast. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. So what's on our radar and what's in our queue? Tony. All right. So on my radar, I have Best of Enemies. Um, I have Working Moms, which I have to finish, but it's still there. Um, Unicorn Store, Brie Larson's directorial debut. On my queue is Private Life. That's Paul Giamatti's thing on Netflix. And Our Planet with my daughter who likes nature and stuff like that. I'll be watching that with her. Also, I want to catch Indecent, which is at the JCC local theater here. And it's uh, showing a lot of places. Not showing, but a lot of theaters around the country are producing Indecent. So I would say if it's in your local theater house, stage theater, drama theater, you should get a chance to see it. It's very good. Okay. 
um, on my radar. Um, the biggest one is Avengers, but I think we'll have another show before that it comes out. But that's my birthday weekend, so I'm really getting excited for that one. In my queue, going to see Hellboy on Thursday. I'm uh, going to wrap up Santa Clarita Diet, Tick Season 2. Um, Game of Thrones just kicks on, um, but I got to finish up Winter's coming. the previous ones. Uh, Hannah and Highwaymen. Um, so something in there will be on my next topic list. And right now with that list, it's probably leaning towards the superhero film unless something else comes out. And mainly because I need to compare that new Hellboy to the old Hellboy, which is going to be difficult. That could be good. Ron was good. We'll see what this new guy does. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say the best of enemies um, I was intrigued by. And so I think that I would like to go see that one and discuss that one a little bit. Um, I kind of got sucked into... uh, Amazon Prime's um, The Widow. Uh, Kate Beckinsale? Yeah. I got sucked into it. It's not, you know, fantastic, but I'm still watching it. Um, So I may talk about that. I may not. We'll see how that ends up. Uh, And I don't... Something might just pop up that doesn't end up on here but these are the two that I I really have time for I don't really have time to be like I'm going to go see this and this and this and this um, I really liked Hellboy the the one that came out a long time ago with Guillermo's yeah I just have no interest in seeing this one so I unfortunately probably am not going to see that Hannah does um, interest me yeah I, we've watched um, episode one and episode two so and far. how do you feel I like it. It's different. Um, I mean, do you feel like, oh my gosh, we have to watch the second, we have to watch the third one? I haven't been in a rush to watch the series. Oh, so it doesn't make you want to go straight to the next one? Not as much, but I'm still like going back and watching it because it's, you know, it's, I like the series Mm -hmm. so far. It's just not like, I need to know what happens on the next one. Or, you know, let's get this out of the way because they're only half, our episode type of things. They're just I, not that way. I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. you said something about um, Paul Giamatti. His private life. What is that about? Um, basically it's about him and his wife, uh, not real life, but his uh, fictional wife are trying to conceive and adopt a child at the same time. They're trying to have a child and it's about, you know, their trials and tribulations of trying to create, a, uh, conceive and through donors or in vitro, and then their daughter, you know, pops up and is willing to donate her egg to help um, her daughter. Not this is his. a drama. This is a drama, yeah. And this is a movie or a series. This is a um, Tamara Tamara Jenkins, who is Alexander Payne's partner, Jim Taylor's wife, who did um, that film with Paul, uh, not with Phil, Phil and um, name, but it's Phil Savages. Hart. Phil Seymour yeah. Hoffman was in it. It's Savages with uh, Laura Linney. And um, mm-hmm. Bruce Dern was in that one too. No, not Bruce Dern. There's another actor, older actor, gentleman who resembles him. But um, Laura Lenny and Phil Hoffman were in Savages, or the, the Savages, which is about a yep. different thing. But I love that. Tamara Jenkins had a little hiatus for a couple of years and came back with, you know, private life. Interesting. 
And when did it when did it hit? I think it came out last year, but it's hitting Netflix more this year now. I don't think it's a Netflix original. I think Netflix picked it up. But oh, I see. Kind of under the radar, and now it's back. So. Oh, and speaking of under the radar and over the radar, or whatever the radar is, um, the full trailer for Shockingly Wicked, Evil, and Vile, I think I probably butchered that. The one that's on... Um, Ted Bundy, okay, the uh, Zac Efron movie that watching. Netflix picked up. Um, they released the full trailer for that, and then that's going to be coming on this fall. Okay, Grace was it this fall or was it May? I think it's coming out May. Soon, I think May, May, May fifth. I think is sticking in my head. Um, so yeah, that was one I should have put on new because it looks it looks good, and like to see this kid Zac Efron who was like High School Musical, High School Musical kid, and like goofy comedy thing taking on this character it looks like the character was made for him so but hey we'll see right well that wraps up our show you can find us uh, at culturalstew.net at culturalstew.net on twitter and culturalstew on facebook for all of our uh, social media handles head on over there check us out and you can find us on our individual pages catch you next time see you guys later bye bye The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.